everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Worry, It's Confidential. Let's all take a deep breath together. I hope that it is a beautiful day out. I hope that you're making it a beautiful day. I'm having a great morning so far. I had a last minute client cancellation or reschedule and I didn't charge them, (laughs) which is not what I'm supposed to do, but you know what? I'm seeing them tomorrow. I had time in my schedule this week. And so actually perfect timing because I needed to do this. I needed to record. I needed to write the description. I needed to do all the pod stuff. And I like to get it done as early in the week as possible. I think I still have like sleepy voice because I'm finally feeling better for my sickness. <laughs> or I've just been singing a lot. Watched The Sound of Music last night. So I guess I exercise those vocal cords. <laughs> I was just thinking about something. And right now I'm not actually feeling very stressed. But the last couple of days I had a little bit of a stressed moment and I can notice myself sometimes getting into a little bit of a stressed state and this theory that I came up with a while back I don't know if it's that I came up with I think it's just facts but the theory that I thought about I think it was in university when I originally thought about it was that our brains are always looking for something to kind of be stressed about And there's moments that are like stressful inherently, like exam times back in uni or just heavily busy times and work. And then we think if only this was gone, then I wouldn't be stressed anymore. But when that thing actually goes away, our brain still ends up finding something else to be stressed out about. And so I think the point of this theory and the point of this story is to sometimes check in and say, am I actually stressed out about this? Is this actually something stressful in my life? Or is my brain looking for a reason to be stressed? Is my brain trying to fill in this gap and this need to assign things as stressful when they might not actually be? I mean, I think it's super adaptive for our brains to be looking for this, right? So that we prepare, so that we understand our environment, so that we're ready for things to jump out at us. But at the same time, can sometimes just make us feel crappy when it's not necessarily something that needs to make us feel crappy. So I would definitely say check in with yourself, check in with your stressors, and kind of see if you can examine and rebalance the perspective and see if it's actually as big of a deal as your body and your mind was making it out to be before you took a look at it. So that's my little realization of the morning. New updates. Um, I have a new plant in my room. I don't know what type it is, but she's cute. Maybe I'll post it on my story. Go follow me on Instagram. Don't worry, it's confidential. (laughs) It's officially been a month since I've been moved out. I'm so happy in my new home. It's been so amazing living with friends, living downtown, getting to know a new neighborhood and set up my own space. I'm loving it so far. This episode today is super useful, super practical. I think this is maybe the motivational pep talk that you needed just to learn a little bit more about what it takes to be successful, career paths, hearing like the ups and downs, hearing the struggles, but also getting motivated to work hard, to push yourself, to challenge yourself. I think this guest is someone who I've always admired for this quality. He's very persistent. He knows what he wants and he does everything he can to get there. And I think it's super inspiring to be around, to hear from. And so hopefully when you listen to this episode, you feel motivated to check in with yourself to find out what it is that you want and then go out and get it. Yeah. And there's a lot of practical tips that you can apply in your life now to to start getting close to where you want to be. I always find it super important to share different stories and different lines of thinking. I think like a couple of weeks ago, I had a guest on who shared their story all about kind of quitting the traditional corporate world and 
and doing something in the arts and then quitting that and then living on a farm like basically sharing with you that that's a possibility that episode's called changing the direction of your life so go listen if you haven't yet this one is a little bit more traditional but I think that it's it's cool to hear from different perspectives and to learn from everybody and then kind of decide what feels most right to you. I think there's things that you can apply from each episode, no matter what your path or your interests are. So yeah, I I hope that you enjoy. I hope that it resonates. And as always, please, please take a second, write a review, rate this podcast. Even if you don't write a review, just go rate it. Go click five stars on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify now, both if you can. And follow me on Instagram at Don't Worry It's Confidential and subscribe to the podcast so that you see the episodes every week. I love you all so much and I hope that you enjoy this episode. This guest is someone who is very similar to me in some ways and so different in others. We share our humor, hardworking nature, and good looks. He's known me my whole life and our differences definitely live in our skill sets and knowledge base. He is so smart, tenacious, and passionate. Welcome to the podcast, Big Brother. Thank you for having me. So we always start off with the get to know you questions. Are you ready? Born ready. Okay. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I think the first thing I wanted to be was uh, a lawyer. (laughs) Young boy wanting to be a lawyer? I wanted to be a lawyer so I could take my passion and skill for arguing and get paid to do it. There we go. Get some insight into our differences. Well, we both like to argue. Yeah, I, we had good practice. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. What's a bad habit you can't break? Getting too worked up about things. Getting getting frustrated, both professionally and personally. Being being able to let go, I guess. It's a, it's a bad habit. It, it's a bad habit I could break. Yeah, it's a bad habit that's been that's a, been hard for you to break. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting trying to get better at it. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, what is your spirit drink? Alcoholic beverage. Uh, I would probably say tequila shot. Ah, this is where similarities lie. <laughs> okay, so are you ready to get into the topic? Let's do it. Okay, today's episode is all about career advice. Being successful is definitely a source of stress and anxiety for many of us, and it can feel like the most important thing in our lives, but also something that feels very unattainable at the same time. Today, we're going to hear all about some different career advice, some insights from our guest as he shares his story and the lessons that he's gone through and all the different ups and downs that have come with his journey so far. So why don't we start off just having you share your story, maybe what you studied and how your career has been going so far. Sure. So I studied political science and marketing at McGill University. From there, I moved back to Toronto and started working within sales, specifically at a a sales recruitment company. And then I've had a number of of different positions uh, up until today. You know, when you asked me to do this topic, uh, I found it interesting because while I do think that I have a lot to share and I, I can I can bring to the conversation, I still feel so young and naive and unstoried, I guess, or, or, or unexperienced. So 
I still feel like I'm in a position where I'm learning. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so important and I think it's good to have the conversations with someone who maybe from the outside, a lot of people would perceive as having it all together, of having a job that's really good and having it figured out. And hearing you say that is exactly what I think is good to shed light on that we all kind of feel like we're still works in progress. We're still getting to the next stage and we still have so much to learn. So I think that's the first like really important lesson. But yeah, I guess share a little bit about what it was like kind of leaving university, the comfort of having a routine and everything set up for you and then having to start a job and things being so different. How did that feel at the beginning? So for me, it was actually quite comforting. I've been wanting to work ever since I could remember. I've wanted to make my own money and have my own ability to to be you know, to determine my destiny. So I left university and two weeks later started a full-time job working and, and being in the corporate world. And I felt very comfortable and natural. But I guess the adjustment for me was more on the social side and specifically because my, my two best friends at the time were still at university and were doing an extra year. I felt alone in this position and going into sales specifically is a a challenging role to get into because you're consistently getting rejected and getting told no and so while i felt comfortable in the role and in being in the corporate world i had struggled to maintain or i guess develop a life outside of that at least Mm -hmm. at the beginning yeah definitely i think I think an interesting thing that you were saying that we'll definitely get to the rejection and all that because I think that's so important. But an interesting thing that you're saying, the social aspects and having friends that are in different life stages as you. Yeah, I think it it would be cool to hear a little bit more about that and hear from your perspective, you were working. So you may have been like on this like ladder of what we're supposed to be doing. You may have been ahead, but you still you're still pointing out that it was a struggle to kind of be in that position while they were still in school and kind of living the different life I guess like how did you and they if you have insight on that deal with that adjustment and the comparison that comes in of being in different positions socially and career-wise I think it's it's very tough but what I've realized in my career and and personally as well as at the grass is, is always greener and I've practiced and tried to maintain the attitude of putting myself or empathizing with others in in their position. And so when I'm thinking, oh, I'm working 40 hours a week or 45 hours a week and, you know, my friends are back at university going to class and then having a good time, Mm -hmm. I only look at what I'm missing out on and not what they're missing out on and vice versa. And so I'm sure that they at the same time were thinking, oh, I've got to do an extra year. I'm not getting ahead. I haven't been able to start my career, I'm not making money, I'm going into debt, so on and so forth. And so I think you're always going to be looking at both sides of the coin. And so maintaining a balance when you think about where you are is is very important. I think that's such an important thing to remember the grass is always greener and also just to appreciate where you are in the moment because maybe when you were in university you were appreciating it but at the same time wanted to start work but then when you were starting work you were also thinking back to university and so it's good to just take a second wherever you are in that stage and appreciate the things that are going on.
going on around you and where you are in your path. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into that fun aspect of rejection. I remember when you were in that stage of starting your sales job and dealing with all the rejection that came from that. And I think like maybe the fact that you got a job right away makes it seem like, oh, okay, like this didn't deal with much rejection when it came to getting into the workforce, which is what I think a lot of people do face. But you did end up facing rejection in another sort of avenue. So I guess what was sort of your feeling being constantly rejected and what's some insight that you've gained from that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was lucky when I got the job that I got. Um, I, I think I worked hard, but I also think that there's a lot of luck involved in getting a job and circumstances and timing, and it worked out the way it did. But but once I was in the job, I think I, I consistently think back and I consistently say that that was probably the best experience of my life, professionally speaking, to be able to learn at such a young age how to deal with rejection and how to overcome it in a safe environment because I did feel supported by the team and my manager at the time to learn. And so I think for me, how did I deal with it? It was very hard. I mean, the first three months were miserable mm -hmm. because not only are you getting no, but you're not hitting your targets and you're putting pressure on yourself and you're thinking, am I going to, am I good at this? Why am I doing this? Why is anybody even paying me for this? But slowly and surely, as you continue to persist and have the grit and determination to overcome the objections and overcome and learn from them it becomes easier and easier and and I think again that was an amazing experience because by the end of it I was uh I felt very comfortable every day yeah yeah I think it's like it's so hard but it's literally like an exposure therapy of rejection because in life we're obviously all gonna have it but we all try and avoid it as much as possible and having this like condensed period of time where you had to get rejected constantly like gives you so much exposure to it that you no longer fear it and so then yeah rejection still sucks and it burns when you get it but you also don't avoid situations that could potentially lead to it as much as maybe somebody else who, who hasn't experienced it so much I yeah I completely agree and I think that you don't need to be uh, a sales rep to give yourself exposure to that and and I think it's you know you don't have to go to the extremes that that you know a salesperson does to get that rejection you can put that in your daily life when I was in university I did an experiment on myself where I would wake up <laughs> and take a cold shower and I did that for three months in the middle of the winter in Montreal because I wanted to do the hardest thing of my day be the cold shower at the beginning of the morning and then everything else was easy so I think yeah. it's, you know, having a mentality where you want to be consistently out of your comfort zone and being able to push your boundaries is what helps you feel comfortable with taking risks and knowing the possibility that you could fail. Yeah. What benefits do you feel like having this mentality has brought into your life? I think it's helped me get to where I am today. It's helped me differentiate myself among other candidates or other you know colleagues. I think you have to be at all or nothing when you're doing this type of mentality and that's that has its downsides as well mm -hmm. because as I said earlier you get worked up and you get <laughs> uh, frustrated uh, when things don't go your way or when you you don't get what you want and and I think that that's a downside of an outcome of always striving to do the best or uh, keep pushing forward 
Yeah. Yeah. Being very results driven and doing things that are supposed to optimize your results is amazing because it does. But then it, it also leads to that frustration of not getting the results when you're putting so much effort into it. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Were there moments ever that you felt debilitated by rejection? And what was your process in getting out of that? So absolutely. I think when I'm in a situation that I it feels foreign or uncomfortable or new to me, what I resort to is hard work or effort because that's something that you can control regardless of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so what I've always found solace in is the ability to put in more effort and outwork myself or outwork uh, my peers or, or just put in the work to achieve the results. And that mentality is really good because it lets you, you know, often achieve those goals, but it does also put a lot of pressure on yourself because sometimes there is a case of, of working smarter, not harder. And I think it's about the balance, but historically, and especially if you're starting off in your career, uh, hard work will always beat smart work. Mm. What do you mean by that? In the sense that when you're young or when you're new, when you're just starting off, it's very unlikely that you know exactly how to do anything and mm -hmm. the best way to do it. And so if you choose to work smart in quotation marks, that translates into trying to figure out a way to do it more effectively and more efficiently. But if you don't know what you're working towards, you won't know how to become efficient. Whereas if you're working hard, you'll test and learn and fail and adapt much quicker because you're getting much more opportunities to fail and then succeed. Yeah. That's a very good point. You can't really optimize and, and make the best strategy and make the smartest way of working before you know what you're doing. I guess that kind of made me think of something else that I think we all kind of struggle with. And I've had clients talk to me about this, this idea of feeling like when they're at the beginning of a position, they don't know what they're doing. And they're very worried of asking questions because they feel like, if I ask a question, then my boss will say, why the hell did I hire this person? Or that sort of idea. I guess like what's your opinion on on asking questions and getting help, both at the beginning of your career and beginning stages of the job and as you get more comfortable in a position? I, I go back and forth on this and I struggle with this in, in every day, to be honest, because I do, I, I have learned that I'm not the best or I, I'm not doesn't come naturally to ask for help in my opinion mm -hmm. uh, for me at least and 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 I think that's something that I'm working on myself but my biggest recommendation or I guess the way I view asking help is it's it's totally fine and most of the time people are willing to give you help they just want to make sure that you're learning and applying what you are asking mm -hmm. because asking the same question or asking for help in the same process multiple times shows that you're not able to learn. Most people aren't hiring you because you know how to do the job. They're hiring you because you can learn how to do it and you're going to do it well. And so asking a question will let you figure out how to do the job, but you need to then apply that and use your own critical thinking to figure out how to do it better uh, and how to continue to do it. I think one thing I often do in this situation, as I said, I'm not good at asking for help, is bring a possible solution with mm. my question. Hey, I've thought about approaching this problem 
using this or using that tool or, or saying that or, or, or so on. And what do you think? And that's a good way of showing that you've put some thought into the problem before asking mm -hmm. and then getting some, some help. What you don't want to do is uh, a colleague of mine said is be an ask hole. <laughs> What's that? Well, you're an asshole. It's, it's a pun because it sounds like yes, asshole. I got that part. But it's ask, A-S-K, hole. You're always asking. Oh. Asking, asking, asking. It's a yeah. hole where all the questions just keep on pouring keep in. On pouring. And That's true. People get very frustrated with that because it's not like you're asking and actually learning. Mm -hmm. You're just asking because you're too lazy to figure it out or apply what you've been told before. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's amazing advice. From a psych perspective, people love to help. So when you ask for help, people feel important, feel special, feel useful, feel heard, all these kinds of things. So it is a good thing for like rapport and all these things to ask for help. But I think like doing it in a way that, that makes sense, that shows that you're listening and applying is so important. And it's kind of like the same thing as I, I always use this strategy of not thinking on polar opposites but finding the middle so one option would be never asking a question the other one would be asking being an asshole and so it's finding that middle ground of asking questions once you've already tried or once you you've developed a good insightful question and then really being receptive to the answers they actually brought a very good point there is if you're gonna ask for help definitely be open-minded and and apply or take into consideration what the response is because there's nothing more frustrating than you know taking time out of your out of your busy day to help someone mm -hmm. who then turns around and completely ignores or disregards you know your your thought process and, and clearly mm -hmm. you know not because you've put thought into it or because you've you know chosen a different direction after considering all the options but often I find myself giving recommendations or suggestions to someone and then they completely ignore it and then they get mad or they complain that it didn't go their way and, and you, you know people there's there's no, nothing more alienating uh to to your colleagues and to uh, ask for help and then not apply it yeah yeah it's very true i'm interested in just in terms of working on teams and stuff like that working with other people yeah i guess like what's sort of been your advice surrounding networking making connections and feeling like there's good team etiquette is that a term i don't know <laughs> good team uh, spirit within the workplace I, I think it's i mean there's there's a few few different things to to unpack there but i, I think that when it comes to sort of the workplace my approach has been kill them with kindness and, and always assume positive intent with with everybody's actions as much as you can and treat others the way that you want to be treated so there you can hold people accountable when they don't you know follow the standards that you've set and so i think it becomes very obvious when people don't follow that and step outside the team culture mm. or the norms um, because that's how kind of you establish what what the baseline for interactions is with the team so saying thank you being appreciative once a week to your team and, and saying thank you for helping me thank you for your partnership thank you for stepping in and, and doing x y and z for me even though it doesn't impact you at all mm -hmm. goes a very long way um, and and being grateful and and then um you know, reciprocating that support so that when you need help, everybody else um, turns around and, and helps you. 
and, and I think that that's how you slowly build a, a, a culture of collaboration. Yeah, I mean, I think that's awesome. I think it's it sounds like a lot of things that are just good etiquette for friendships and for just general life. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I have such a different job and I've never worked in a setting like this. So even like asking some of these questions, like they're things that I know my clients struggle with or my friends have struggled with or dealt with, but I'm just like, I'm learning so much because I don't even know what the experience is truly like. I guess like in me saying that, do you think that there's anything surrounding the workplace that you feel like would be valuable for people to kind of get some advice on or you found challenging at the beginning or you still find challenging? Yeah, I recently started a new position with teammates that are in a different life stage than myself. Mm -hmm. They've got much more experience and that's great because I can learn from them, but that also brings to the table different ways of doing things and different egos and and so i think at the end of the day what you have to remember or what i try to remember is everybody's human at the end of the day and everybody has their wants and their needs and their priorities and so trying to understand what that is as, as quickly as possible and trying to build common ground with them in order to build that relationship and to overcome the challenges that come in a workplace and in a competitive environment is, is super important. And so it's not easy, but I think that that's probably the best approach. And again, if you know, put that together with the approach of killing them with kindness and, and putting your, your best foot forward, then you're setting yourself up for a good, you know, a good, a good relationship. Yeah. I think that this is so meaningful to think about because I think like ranting about colleagues and being upset about your job, I think is a very common thing within our culture and within just how we process things. And yeah, obviously there's going to be some times that you don't get along with people and that people really get under your skin at work. But I think by trying to see the person, trying to see their intention, their goals, their their realities, their situation, you get to humanize them more. You get to feel some common ground and it's going to benefit both of you and and your career but also just on a on an enjoyment level of of what feel what it feels like going into work every day yeah absolutely and, and don't get me wrong uh there's definitely <laughs> very very frustrating individuals that i still get annoyed with and i get frustrated with i'm i'm not sitting here and pretending like every single relationship i have in the office is perfect by any stretch of the imagination but I think it's about trying to put yourself in a position to surround yourself with folks that that you can get along with and and again at the end of the day it's a job and and so I think you need to try and put yourself in a, into a role or a team organization that aligns with what you value as well which is is not easy but I think should be something you strive for uh, given you're going to be working for 40 years. Yeah, I think that brings a great transition into the next sort of area I wanted to talk about was you've had many different transitions and many different positions in your short career so far. Short? What did you say? Medium? No, short. And I guess going through those different positions, how did you initially start to make those choices about wanting to change jobs I think it can be hard to be comfortable in a space making money have friends there feel comfortable and not want to leave how did you kind of check in with yourself and decide to make those first transitions when you did yeah that's a very a very hard it's a very hard decision because every 
job I've left or a position I've moved on from, even the ones that I didn't really enjoy, I still had reservations or doubts or, you know, that sort of pit in your stomach before you're going to go give in your resignation or, or tell your manager that you're moving on. And the reason is because obviously it's a risk. It feels uncomfortable. It's a yes or no decision, a black or white decision that has impact. But I think for me, my personality is always improve, always ask for more, always go up. And so it's very easy for me to think about what I can do next to continue growing. And and so while it's hard to make that decision and it's hard to tell my manager or my boss that I'm leaving, I've always felt satisfied. I've always done it uh, because it's in the interest and it fulfills kind of my my itch to continue growing and putting myself in uncomfortable situations so that I can continue to grow. Yeah, I definitely think it is part of your personality. I think maybe in our family that is a a thing of continuing to grow, continuing to evolve. What would you say to someone who thinks that they don't have what it takes or is too nervous to advocate for themselves for a higher salary or for a new position that has a lot of self-doubt in that way? What, What would be some pieces of advice for that person? Yeah, I think my advice might be a little extreme, but I, I think that on the one hand, nobody's ever feels fully confident. You know, everybody's everybody's got imposter syndrome and is, is faking it till they make it in, in every role. And anybody who tells you otherwise is, again, faking it. But the other thing that I would say is that if you're uncertain and if you doubt yourself and, and if you're not confident, people will sense that. And nobody, you know, unfortunately, you've got to look out for yourself and your career and and a job is is a negotiation and someone wins and someone loses. So if you go into your career treating it as someone else's career, then you're never going to get what you want and you're never going to feel confident. And so you have to prioritize what you want and put your interests first and go from that position into whatever you're looking to do yeah yeah I think that's really good advice and I think it's good to like deflate that belief that other people don't feel imposter syndrome because everybody does I also think it's important to mention like the role of gender and how for women traditionally it is harder to ask for these things for many many different reasons and I do want to bring in a different sort of gender piece because I think yeah for women it can be really hard to move up in the workplace and to feel that confidence to ask I also think for men, I've, I've read that there's a lot of pressure and I've also heard from my clients that there's a lot of pressure to, to kind of be the breadwinner, to be successful, to, to have a certain income and career. And I think it's, it's something that, that does cause a lot of insecurity and anxiety among men. I guess what, what's been your experience with feeling that pressure and how do you continue to cope with that? Yeah, I think I think that I put that pressure on myself and you can say it's external pressure that's been internalized because of society or, or it's because of the way that you were born. I mean, nobody will ever really know, but I put that pressure on myself. And so when I don't get what I want or when I don't achieve a goal or when I don't get a role, I kind of push that pressure on myself because I'm disappointed in, in sort of me not achieving what I want because... I've worked hard and I've chosen to do that and, and I guess I failed. And so I think that's that's where I sense the most amount of pressure for myself. And 
I think the way that I deal with it is, is just use that to motivate me to do better. And so I think it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I think you, you push yourself using the motivation and the pressure and then you see success. Mm -hmm. And then the harder you push yourself, the more success you see and the more success you see, the more confidence you have, the more confidence you have, the harder you push yourself. And so I think it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy um, where, where success breeds confidence, confidence breeds success. Yeah, definitely. I, a big strategy that I use with my clients that for this topic, for any topic is sort of reframing negative emotions and seeing that an emotion like feeling failure, feeling sadness because of it, feeling uh, stress because of it, um, can sometimes feel like just negative. Why do I have to be so hard on myself? Why do I have to put all this pressure on myself? But if you reframe it, you also understand and see it, like you said, as a motivation. And so there is a function to the negative emotion a lot of the time. And so it's good to acknowledge that. I also do think that it's good to not let it go to too extreme because like you said, we're all always circling back to the beating yourself up at the beginning. It can feel like a lot if you let it sort of go too far. Yeah, I guess like maybe your strategies also maybe people that you've seen around you who are successful who who work really hard how have you seen them deal with that pressure and that high pace environment yeah i mean i think you have to try and build a routine and you have to try and build patterns and ways of dealing with the pressure so building in sort of a routine or exercise i mean i think there's a number of different avenues to alleviate the pressure but i do think that there are certain careers and there are certain choices that you make to put yourself in an environment where you use that pressure to succeed. I mean, for me, part of the motivation to do well, part of the motivation to be in sales is to be, you know, at the top of the sales board. And so using when I see other people succeed, I use that as motivation to say, well, they're working hard, they're doing success, they're seeing that. And so I want to do that. And that motivates me to do, do it better. I think the, the biggest thing that helps me and and I think everybody needs to do is really be honest with themselves if they've done a good job. If you've said, I've given it 110%, I prepped for that job, I did the interview well, and it didn't go my way, then you can feel confident that you did everything in your power to get this job or, or land that sale, and it didn't go your way. And that happens, right? What I can't stand in myself is knowing that I could have done more mm -hmm. and there are, you could always do a little bit more, but really being honest with yourself and saying, I gave that 110% and I didn't get it. And that's just how it works. Yeah. I mean, how do you deal with that voice though that tells you you could have done more? Because I think it's sometimes hard to, when it's something you're doing your best or you're doing your 110%, it can be hard to quantify sometimes. And I've seen and in myself and in others, you can get into that pattern of that wasn't good enough. I think it takes experience and it takes practice and it takes losing and winning as well, right? I think if I were honest, you know, that I can I can think about to keep it in the career space, deals that I've closed successfully and I'd link back, I was like, how hard did I work for that deal? How much effort mm. did I put in? And how much of it was luck and how much it was right timing and how much it was stuff that just went my way? Yeah. And if you look at everything that I've done and if you look at your projects and you look at the deals you've closed and lost, 
you'll realize that there is only a portion of it that is hard work and the other mm. portion that is luck and timing and sometimes it goes your way and it doesn't sometimes it doesn't and so I think that's how you can start thinking about quantifying, you know, how much effort and work did I really put into this to be successful and how much it was it bad luck. Yeah. Right. I think that if you, if you reflect on that, then you're able to at least start to gauge what your effort versus luck or versus circumstance is. Yeah. I think that's so important. Like letting yourself have time to have different experiences and to get experiences under your belts and to gather data essentially so you're able to to measure and understand the patterns of your work. I think that's so important because sometimes maybe like we expect right away to work 110 and get the results, but also seeing how important the experience is in then understanding the smart working and, and how to do well. Um, it's a really important part of the process. I also think something that's really important, and I think with you, I've always noticed how much you enjoy your work. As much as your success is a big motivator and doing well is a motivator, you also really enjoy it. You enjoy being there. You enjoy doing it. You enjoy working hard. And I think that's an important factor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's funny. You, you're, you're not the only one that notices that. My, my girlfriend consistently says how much I enjoy going to work and the, the work environment. And I think if I think about it, what do I really enjoy? I think it's it's the competitive sort of winning aspect that I really enjoy. I think it's the fact that it is a bit of a, a game, a competition, again, where I can work hard and put in effort and, you know, be the winner. And so I think it's similar to sports. It's the similar to other competitive environments and so I've been able to through luck and, and through hard work put myself in a position where I can go in every day and, and compete and so I do see myself or I do see it as you know like uh, a game and so that's why I enjoy and I, and I want to be sort of you know uh, the top or, or close to the top because it's fun mm -hmm. yeah I think that's that's so important to hear and to notice and check in with yourself of what do you like about your job or what what is it that drives you? Because I think if we're all kind of taking this advice of working 110% and doing all this, you can feel like, okay, but does that make me happy? And I think that's the big question because for me, for example, we're very different in this way. I, I like to work and I am very driven, but I also very much like other things in life equally and so for me it doesn't feel some it goes it goes through different stages it doesn't feel like that's my priority always so then this like applying myself 110 percent maybe wouldn't be the priority all the time maybe sometimes it is maybe sometimes it's not so I think there's di different ways of going about careers and life and so it's important to see what's important to you and then choose to what approach to take and take this advice with with that in mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if you're able to like your job 51% of the time, I think you're doing a great, you're in a great position. I mean, everybody does things in their job that they don't like, and I, that includes myself, and there's frustrating days and days where nothing goes your way, and then that won't change. And so I think, again, if you're able to like your job uh, more than you dislike it, you're doing something doing something right because it's going to be very hard that anybody or any career you're going to love every single thing that you're doing there's always going to be something that you don't like and so 
being able to at least find something that, to your point, you know that you enjoy and you put yourself in positions um, to 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 do, it is I think that the first step because if you're not a super driven person or if you don't do well under pressure or if you don't enjoy being put head to head and competing, trying to emulate that or expecting to you know, be successful at that is setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. And then as you continue to fail, it's the same sort of self-fulfilling prophecy that you were talking about, but reverse a feeling like, okay, I'm not good enough to do anything. I'm not worthy person. And then it kind of continues to feed when, yeah, it is about finding the thing that you like or the things that you like. And yeah, as well, noticing that there are aspects that you won't like because that's just realities of being an adult unfortunately as we've come to realize yeah um yeah i guess in a more two different things that i want to say the first one is in a big company it can i think feel a little bit like you are just one of the many and i'm wondering are you able to feel valued and seen and and feel like you're kind of practicing your purpose and passion while being amongst so many different people who are doing things similarly to you i i think that's it's a very hard thing to do i think it, it's in in a small company you're able to show off a little bit more because it's a smaller environment but once you go into a large organization it's it's very hard to stand out part of the reason why i chose and and I like sales is because it's a very clearly defined profession. You either hit your target and you achieve it and you've got a number, you're X percent to quota or you're X percent above quota. And if you're mm-hmm. above a hundred, you're doing well. And if you're not, you're not doing well. And so it's very easy to measure success and talking about gender. It's one of the best, you know, defining for, for women. It's very easy to break in and move up because yeah. it's very clearly defined. If you consistently hit your quota and you succeed, no biases. There's no bias. No there's no bias in a number. Yeah. Right. And so I think I've you know, my first ever manager, co founder of a company, was the one of the best saleswomen I've ever met. And she she's always an advocate for getting into sales because it's very straightforward and you can you can own your destiny by, by working hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but so for me personally, I use my performance as my first leading indicator of what my brand is. My brand is I'm always going to hit my targets. I'm consistently bringing in you know revenue and I'm consistently overachieving. So that's the first step. But then the second step is being able to build a brand around that, right? Because if you hit your targets consistently, but you're not being nice to customers or you're taking cor- cutting corners or you're being, you know, greasy, a greasy salesperson, then sort of nobody's going to be wanting to be associated with you. But if you can build a brand of consistently hitting your targets while maintaining your integrity by working hard, by thinking about the customer first, by helping your teammates, then you're able to carry that brand wherever you go. Hmm. And then it's about putting yourself and taking that chance to get in into position where, you know, leadership or, or potential new role opportunities can open and, and sort of being consistent with that. I think that's the only thing you can control. And then again, there's, there's luck associated with it, but there's also making your own luck, right? You have to be putting yourself out there to get, um, get noticed and, and build that brand. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it reminded me of something I was listening to the other day about like, what's the story that you're telling about yourself and same sort of thing about the brand that you're building. It's making sure that you're living like in an alignment with the way that you want to be perceived and that you're selling yourself in a way. And I think that applies to everybody, no matter what job you're doing. It's making sure that you're kind of being consistent with this, the type of employee or worker that you want to be. So I think that's that's very important. I guess kind of just in a practical way, you've done a lot of interviews. And so I did want to hear like what would be some of your interview advice. In terms of preparing or in the interview? Or I guess what's kind of your process as, as you've gone through these? Yeah, I mean, I think even though I've had many, many interviews and, and some that have gone well and some that haven't gone as well, I think it, it goes back to the confidence and knowing that you've done everything in your power or realistically in your power to be ready for that interview, right? So doing your research on who you're meeting with, doing your research on the company, doing your research on the role, preparing uh, stories and reflecting on your experience and and aligning what you've done in your past roles to what the role that they're hiring for is mm-hmm. and being able to practice that. So sharing uh, stories and, 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 you know, essentially proving to the interviewer that you haven't done this role before but you're able to learn and you have experience to help you deal with the challenges and the responsibilities that will come in that role Uh, and then I would say listening to your favorite music right before you get into the interview (laughs) I think that's also for me it's pump up and just get me feeling uh, in the right mindset and feeling like a boss and you will go in there and dress to impress and I guess that's kind of how you have to go in and again people if you exude confidence even if you're faking that confidence people can feel it yeah literally just tell yourself in your brain I'm amazing I am awesome and it starts to show in your face because your brain doesn't know which thoughts are the ones you truly believe and which thoughts are the ones that you don't so keep repeating that to yourself and also just because I'm a therapist and I have to say it I feel like throughout the interview there has been a lot of talk on confidence and everything and so some people might be thinking like okay but I don't have confidence and I think then if that's the case then it's the most important thing to work on yourself to work on yourself in whatever way that looks but yeah also take those pieces of advice and gaining confidence within the moment of pumping yourself up but also faking it till you make it and reflecting on why you think that you're not confident but I would say if you're not confident and if you are able to understand that you're not confident then my biggest piece of advice is don't apply for your dream job and make your dream job interview your first interview Mm -hmm. when I was In interview mode, I was having calls with recruiters every other week to practice my pitch, Mm. to answer their questions, to go through my resume, to talk about my experience. Why? Because not because I wanted to get a job in, in their company, but because I wanted to practice so that when I was in the room for my real job interview, it came off naturally. So if you're not confident, set yourself up to have a lot of interviews Put yourself in positions where you're going to practice so that when you have to do it for real, it's not the first time you're saying it because you're going to fail. Exactly. Confidence isn't necessarily something that you're born with. It's something that you gain. And so through practicing, through putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, failing and and learning from it, then you can start to gain that confidence. And 
a big thing that I also say to my clients all the time is set yourself up for some wins as well. Do something every day that's really small, but you tell yourself you're going to do it and you do it. Then you start teaching yourself that you can pull things off and that you do love yourself enough to work for yourself and to do things for yourself. Okay. Are there any other things that you feel like we haven't touched on that you want to talk about? No, I think there's a great conversation. Um, I think it's just about putting your head down and continuing to move forward and every day is a new challenge. So just keep, keep going and nobody's going to make the reality that you want happen other than you. So go out and get it. Love it. Okay. The final question, the final questions I ask every guest is what's something that you have in your life right now that in the past you always wanted? I I would say that's a good question. I think that my natural instinct is to say what I don't have because it's what I want to get. But (laughs) there he is being hard on himself. (laughs) But, but Honestly, I think right now for me, it's uh, a loving relationship. I didn't, uh, I, I always wanted that when I was, you know, younger and uh, I'm now confidently say I am in one. So I'm, I'm happy. So that's it for now. But I'll probably think of something I don't have later that I'm going to work for. <laughs> uh, I'm basically crying. Okay. Thank you for coming on. Say bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.